And we're live. Welcome to episode two of Athletic Insights. I'm joined today by my guest, Dr. Andy Thomas. Dr. Thomas, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me on your podcast. No, I, re- I really appreciate having you and uh, the community and people outside the community listening to this or watching this on YouTube. Um, they're also going to really appreciate what you have to bring. Um, I'm really grateful for your time. And having said that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your academic background and where you are right now and your role in life working? So um, I trained originally at the University of Cape Town in South Africa, and my wife and I moved to Canada in 1989. Um, I was uh, involved in frontline primary care for almost 30 years and have subsequently moved into a variety of focused practices, which probably are best described as, um, you know, integrative whole person medicine approaches. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's pretty eclectic. And then as far as my interest in youth athletics, uh, both my sons were involved in a variety of minor sports. And I had the good fortune of being involved um, either as a trainer or at one time, um, I know it's difficult to believe, but as a, a coach of uh, minor baseball, which for someone who played cricket as a youth <laughs> was quite a stretch. But um, no, I, I feel um, that Youth athletics has a lot to offer individuals with respect to their personal development, um, whether that is uh, development towards um, a career in uh, athletics or whether it is simply to uh, contribute in a positive way to their overall health. Right. I I couldn't agree more. Um, One of the things I get a lot from parents on, on social media just reaching out to me is questions about uh, youth performance anxiety. And that's something that I've mentioned to you before. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, any comments on what's going on right now with the increase in mental health issues with youth athletics and just the population in general? Well, I think that um, we're doing a better job of understanding that mental health is health. And we're not making those distinctions between other parts of health and mental health that we used to. So I think that there's a whole lot of things going on. And I think one of the things going on is the stigma around mental health is decreasing. Yes. Um, And as a result, more people are coming forward, acknowledging that, you know, they may have um, some difficulties with compulsive behavior, addictions, anxiety, mood difficulties, um, uh, body dysmorphia, and so on. Now, to your to your specific question about performance anxiety, I think that that maybe is a little bit of a separate uh, conversation, uh, which is that if our brains are working well, we're going to experience some level of um, body experience um, when it comes to the effects of adrenaline on the system. Mm-hmm. And so... I would make a distinction between that experience, which is perfectly normal, and um, anxiety, the disorder, which requires a different approach. Right. And I think that's what a lot of kids right now are struggling with. They don't know how to, they don't have the tools because they don't talk about it in elementary school to determine if, is this something that I can manage as is right now with the current coping skills I have? Or is this something that I'm going to need help with? And the longer that the kids or young adults choose to wait to make that decision, it seems that it becomes very clear fast whether you have the skills to cope or you don't. So would you have any advice for anyone, youth athletics or young adults kind of coming into their own who are kind of 
at term, not at terms with where they are mentally. And maybe they don't want to come forward yet, but as you and me both agree, talking about it in general, well, I think, help. I think that uh, one of the things that's very helpful is that I think we are talking more about becoming emotionally and socially intelligent. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, rather than suppressing our experiences of life, we're expressing those in a number of different ways. And as a result, it is uncommon to find somebody who is not able to express what they're experiencing emotionally. Okay. And I think, I think that when people experience, you know, are able to express what they're experiencing emotionally, and that's the full range of emotions. It's not just the difficult emotions. It's also those emotions like exhilaration and joy and mm-hmm. happiness. Um, that um, I think is, is, bringing some color to the black and white. Right. And so I think that my experience with young people is that they are doing a way better job of expressing themselves emotionally mm-hmm. than certainly when I was a, oh, yeah. a, a younger person. Right. Um, one thing that I find interesting is that um, one thing that youth sports, especially male youth sports, doesn't do well that we need to improve on is it teaches young men to internalize everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the first time in my life, I played on a football team my last year at Bishops. It was my second last season. It was supposed to be, but I ended up not playing my last year. So it ended up being my final year. And at the end of the year, we had a new coach on his first, it was his first off season with us. And he brought us all into a big, big room and he gave us the floor, which no one has ever done Mm -hmm. for, for, me personally, any team I've been on. And they basically said, after this meeting, 2018 is done. Say what you need to say. And and for a lot of us, we had never been asked, like, how do you feel? Like, mm-hmm. What what do you feel personally towards our, our team's struggles? Yep. And about 30 of us spoke and 10 of us cried, mm-hmm. like myself included. Like mm-hmm. we just, it was, it's a lot to address 90 other men when you're all alpha males and talk about <laughs> the frustrations you had. Like, um, you know, my points might not have gotten across the best, but at least everyone in that room, we all knew that we were being genuine with each other and we were opening up to each other. And that as a 23 or 24 year old man, my first, that was the first time I ever let myself be vulnerable in front of other people to Mm -hmm. that extent, which I think um, it did a lot for me personally growing up. And I think um, youth sports needs to do a better job with that um, in terms of making young men and women understand that it's okay to talk about how you're feeling, especially if you have a tight knit culture, Mm -hmm. which is important with youth athletics. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that once again, um, this, this is the emotional intelligence and the social intelligence that I was referring to. And I think that probably one of my biggest learnings in the last couple of years has been to adopt a both and approach to many things. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it is both the expression of a range of emotions, but also the acknowledgement of whatever culture we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that each individual has their strengths, their vulnerabilities, the things they would like to develop, the things they would like to work on, I think the same is true for teams and for cultures. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the things that I'm seeing more and more, whether it is in um, the environment of, of um, bigger institutions like some of the hospitals I work at, um, or whether it is um, you know universities or, or teams where there is this identification that cultures are just the same as individuals, that mm. they have limitations, 
They have strengths. They have things they can work on. They have vulnerabilities. And I think there's been a reluctance in the past for the institutions to acknowledge that range of um, uh, experience. When you say institutions, are you talking about the governing bodies in general? It or? can be. It can be anything. It okay. can. It. Uh, I think that sometimes the collective reflects the individual, but I find there's always a lag of maybe five to ten years between the individual experiences and the change of culture. Gotcha. And you know, so I mean, this year in particular, some of the. Uh, cultural change uh, at higher levels of uh, men's hockey uh, really caught me by surprise. With the um, NHL? Absolutely. Right. Okay. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised that, um, you know, the, the the culture is being called out on, oh, yeah. um, you know, having having this very linear idea about what being a man is. Right. And a professional hockey player. They're changing that as well. Exactly. Yeah. And for the better. And and once again, it's that both end, you know, to, to, you know, I've, I've been so impressed over the years with, um, athletes who have had that holistic view on life, you know, that they participate in the community. Um, you know, uh, there's some, some athletes that visit, for example, Chio mm-hmm. and that authentic uh, interaction between them and children who are in a very difficult position. But at the same time, they're able to inspire uh, children who are looking to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that I think, um, you know, that culture that has been developed, um, amongst professional athletes, I think, um, speaks well for the future, for sure. Right. And, you know, we can't talk about an entire whole, uh, whole big picture, uh, health model without talking about nutrition, of course, mm-hmm. um, what you put into your bodies matters when you put it into your body matters, meal timing is important. Um, but one of the things I'm actually noticing with a lot of my clients over the last couple of years is that I have a far better, uh, my clients will have a far better response to their training and their nutrition when you understand the psychology that goes to nutrition. And um, a lot of my clients will say, you know, I, I had a cookie and they're, they're beating themselves up about it. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're really upset at themselves. And I find once I can swift shift their mindset to balance and understanding that it's not about being perfect all the time. It's about consistency. Find foods that you'll eat all the time, that you'll eat consistently, that have the proper micronutrients, the macronutrients you need, and find balance. But it's the people I find who have that, I had a cookie and now I'm not going to eat a carb for three weeks, who are like mentally punishing themselves. They're not getting the results they want. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the one word that is going to be important for every uh, young athlete to incorporate into their lexicon is choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that when they recognize that they have some control over the choices they make, um, they end up making better choices. Right. Um, because they're no longer making those choices on being told what they should be doing. They're actually understanding what sleep does, what good nutrition does, um, what positive relationships do, mm-hmm. um, what mindful, mindful practice and relaxation does. And so I think once they uh, understand how that benefits them, Mm -hmm. they start incorporating these things into their 
um, uh, in, into their whole practice. And the routine. And exactly. Right. And, I, and so I see that, you know, not only individual athletes, but more and more coaches are recognizing that it's not just the practice of the, of the particular discipline. It's also all those other things that are, that make up part of a whole person's life. It's each person's response to each stimulus as a whole, right? Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. And, and, um, yeah. So I think people are being more aware that if you sleep poorly or if you eat poorly, or if you're not relaxed, those things are going to influence performance. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I personally take like very seriously is, is my quality of sleep, mm -hmm. the quality, the duration, um, 25 years old and I still get 10 hours a night and I'm yep. going to continue to get 10 hours a night as long as I can. Yep. Um, right now I'm young, unattached. I work for myself so I can get away with that. Um, but a lot of these young kids, they're, they're staying up on their social media and on their screens, um, until midnight and they're getting six hours of sleep and going to school and trying to function at a high level. And it just turns into this domino effect of being overtired and chronic fatigue. And, and then they just kind of stop having the energy to do what they love. So, um, one thing that this podcast is designed to do is to be a resource for youth sports coaches, um, to have wonderful guests like Dr. Thomas give some quality information that they can use in practice and actually apply to their practices. Um, so when you're dealing with, and you've coached yourself. So when you're dealing with a volunteer coaching position, you know, that coach probably has a full-time job. Mm -hmm. He's pro he could be married. He has lots of other things going on in his life. Um, what are some small practices do you think that you sports coaches could do to create culture and also in creating that culture, a culture of prioritizing nutrition and sleep and fun at a, at a young age? Well, I think that as a recovering insomniac, um, I can definitely speak to this. Um, it, it is important to focus on that time between shutting down the day and the sleep itself. I think that that is important. But I think one of the areas that is not looked at nearly enough is what we do during the day. And I think that during the day, um, if people can learn to be aware and mindful of their experiences um, and to process those experiences in real time. Um, so for some people, they have a meditation practice. For some people, they have a breathwork practice. Mm -hmm. uh, for some people, they like to journal. Uh, for other folk, they really do a good job of interacting and communicating with their peers, you know, whether that's via texting or, or uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Right. Um, I think when the locker room is working at its best, um, that can be a time where you can build some very, very positive culture. It's also a time where you can build a lot of negative culture. <laughs> right. Complacency. So um, when you get a group of people together, there is a tremendous opportunity to look for those um, moments where you can build culture. Right. Um, and I think that, that what I've learned over the years, I used to be one of those lecturers. And what I found is it really doesn't work. I think what works is, is, is to look for those teachable moments, you know, to look for those moments where it may be about bullying. It may be about letting go. It may be about relaxation. Right. Um, and when those things come up, that becomes that opportunity to have a conversation about it. 
rather than to sort of force things uh, on uh, young people who really they're only going to get it when it's pertinent to their experience. Right. You know, so when it's kind of, when it seems contrived and forced and, and, um, um, I don't exactly know what the exact expression is. I, I think there's a, I think there's a place to have a, a process and a program, but I think there's also a really good opportunity for those spontaneous opportunities that come out of losing a game, mm-hmm. winning a game. Yeah. Um, you know, making off color remarks about a situation, mm-hmm. you know, those are those moments where there's the opportunity to have right. that conversation. Another thing I really wanted to get your, your take on today was um, concussions. There mm-hmm. is, there is so much information out there and there seems to be this new paradigm that's shifting to there's the people who may maybe have read a little bit of the older science that believe in don't do anything, stay in your bed, keep the lights off, isolate yourself, be quiet. And then there's this new science that's coming out that I went to school for and that I've been reading and I had the opportunity to look at it, come to my own opinion. That's showing that light exercise. So being slightly social back to like the biopsychosocial mm-hmm. model we were talking mm-hmm. about before we started recording, um, is showing better results. They're recovering quicker. They're not having long-term effects. Um, and I really just want to get your take on it, uh, on the current paradigm on what side you kind of, well, I would, I would agree with you that all decisions about, um, you know, management of concussions and post-concussion syndrome need to be made on the basis of current science. And all my learning on this matter has come from individuals who have made it their lifetime study. So, um, I think one of the things that is, that, that is different between concussions in youth athletics and concussions in the wider world mm-hmm. is what else comes with that head injury experience. Okay. Um, so, for example, a lot of young people are doing something they love. Right. And so they are very eager to do anything possible to get back to gotcha. get back to um Act, act, you know, back to activity. For other individuals who experience uh, experience head trauma, it could be in a motor vehicle accident. It could be in a situation where they were not in the wrong, right? And so there's all kinds of other factors that come into their recovery and recuperation, right? Um, uh, that are a little more complex. But I think that for those individuals who are eager to get back to their uh, what they're passionate about, I would agree with you that this modern science that looks at how we can safely get people back to activity makes more sense. Right. And it's it's truly, it's a frustrating topic right now. There's a few kids in this specific community who are dealing with concussions and their parents have reached out to me like, do you have any advice? Dr. X says this, Dr. Y says that. And then I give them what I believe in my heart is the best advice I, I have given the, the studies that I read six months ago, right? I don't I don't pretend to keep up to to everything all the time. Um, and I give them my information and it doesn't fit the model that they believe in. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of almost breaking my heart that these kids are just sitting in a black room with their cell phone, with their Netflix, with all this uh, blue light exposure, right? 
Um, and their parents are wondering, well, why they're not getting better? Well, they're not getting better because the environment you're putting your child in is a prison. Mm -hmm. They're in a black room where the walls are probably white. I don't know what your house looks like, but people at home, you probably have your kids in white rooms or egg shell shell. Yeah. Um, and, and you wonder why your kid's not getting better. Well, take, take your child on a walk, you know, try to make them laugh, mm -hmm. um, cook their favorite meal. Like it's what Dr. Thomas has been talking about, which I, I couldn't agree more with is that, that wholesome, that holistic approach to, to health and wellness. And that directly relates to recovery as well. Absolutely. And, and I think that, um, you know, when it, when it comes to, um, recovery from uh, concussions, there's a lot of good information out there and people don't need to feel isolated, uh, you know, and, and without any resources because there's a great amount of information about using sleep, using gentle movement, using socialization, um, using nutrition and certain types of supplementation to improve people's outcomes mm -hmm. after the concussion experience. I think the other thing that you mentioned, which is so important, is that one of my biggest roles is to help individuals of all ages to trust their experience. You know, it's that trust your gut. And so when it comes to recovering from anything, including concussions, I think it's that whole thing of if you're experiencing certain symptoms, trust that. Right. Get to, use that as your guide. Mm -hmm. um, rather than using some external reference as your guide. And, and like Google. So, well, like Google or like you should and shouldn't do this, that, or the next thing. Um, because once people get to trust what they're experiencing, then they can move to that position of interpreting it um, in, in, a, in a way that is helpful. You know, you were talking about uh, performance anxiety um, I see anxiety as being a medical condition, as being the end result of an interpretation of experiences okay. and also of an experience itself. And, you know, when people have that experience of their heart beating in their chest, of their breathing becoming a little more rapid, of muscles becoming tight, mm -hmm. they can misinterpret that as I'm not going to be able to handle this situation. Right. Whereas once they start to trust their body, they're able to say, well, yeah, this is normal. You know, I'm, this is the reason why I'm experiencing these physiological effects. It's because this is really exciting or this is a really important game or I would, you know, I'm worried that I'm going to let down my teammates, you know, and, the, and, and once we start acknowledging those normal experiences, then the interpretation of those experiences doesn't result in faulty thinking mm -hmm. and subsequent anxiety. I think, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think humans have a tendency to want things to be more complicated than they, this, they seem. Mm -hmm. Some things are simple. Some things aren't. Some health conditions are very difficult to um, diagnose. But some things are tend to be more simple than... Um, than people want them to be, right? Absolutely, and I think that um, sometimes complexity um, is reality, but sometimes we can use uh, sort of complexity as a way of diverting from reality. Right. And and so um, I know that when I was uncomfortable with you know my knowledge about you know being a trainer on a team or being a coach on a team. 
um, yeah, it's it's easy to distract by um, focusing on uh, you know the issues that the team is having. Whereas sometimes I think you know you mentioned becoming vulnerable. Sometimes I think if we are willing to speak the truth, we're able to say, you know, I don't really know too much about this, but I'm willing to work with you. Right. And, you know, maybe we can learn together. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wrap it up here. The last question I'm going to ask you is uh, any general advice for youth sports coaches and parents um, trying to, you know, develop their child, trying to instill these important um, beliefs that I, I, I completely agree with your view on the world and your view on health and, 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 and the whole holistic side of it. Um, but not everybody does. So if you want to just uh, take it from there. Um, I'm going to just go with my mantra, which is both and. Right. You know, it's, it's put in 100% effort and have fun. Yeah. You know, we don't have to make these things mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'll leave you with both and. All right. Well, Dr. Thomas, this was episode two of Athletic Insights. And thank you for your time. You're very welcome. We're out.